So today we're going to start a new series on Give Peace a Chance. How many of you would agree that relationships make the world go round? Right? Whether it's a husband and wife, a father and son, a friend and friend, or a co-worker, or honestly just someone, could you turn me down just a little bit, Bill? Uh, honestly, just somebody that you like go to the gas station, right? And you pay for your coffee and you, you have that interaction. That is a relationship. And the problem with our world is our relationships suck. It's just what it is. And if, you, if you're offended that I said suck in church, wait, I'll offend you worse before we're done, okay? So the problem is our relationships. I mean, that is hands down the problem with our world is our relationships. People get divided over stupid stuff, right? I mean, stupid stuff, it used to be, it was over stupid stuff and you just didn't know about it. But now you get divided over stupid stuff and everybody knows about it. So our, our problem is we're never going to have the opportunity to give peace a chance as long as our relationships are bad, right? So honestly, we could have renamed the entire series, How to Fix Our Relationships. But we're not going to do that. We're going to call it Give Peace a Chance. And we're going to talk about passion. We, we begin to think about a d bunch of different stuff. But the true meaning of passion is this. It's to suffer. It's one thing to suffer and be a victim. Right? You hear about people, oh, I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Right? And you hear it today all over the world. People, if, if they disagree with you, it's, I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Just because they disagree. It doesn't mean that they really are a victim. victim. It just means that they're disagreeing. The true meaning of passion is to suffer. It's one thing to suffer and be a victim. It's an entirely different thing to suffer, to be willing to suffer for a cause and become a victor. And guys, that's where we, if we're ever going to give peace a chance, we have to back up and say, you know what? It's one thing be a victim, but I'm willing to be a victim to willingly suffer so that I can become a victor. And the only way that you're ever going to fix relationships is you got to be willing to get in the fire sometimes, right? You got to be willing to work it out. Marriages, if you've got a, if you've got a marriage that's not real good, the only way you're ever going to fix that marriage is sit down and talk about it. You can't just ignore it, right? There are people out there that just ignore their marriages, and they just implode upon them, right? Because it was a small thing to begin with, and then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and bam, it was over. The only way we're going to fix this world, the only way we're going to fix the United States is from people on each side of the aisle to quit pointing fingers at the other and say, hey, we're going to work on this. We're going to get together, and we're going to fix this. And I'm not talking politics completely because, let's be honest, a lot of the political issues really aren't political issues, right? Abortion is not a political issue, right? Abortion is not a political issue. It's a biblical issue. Are we murdering or not murdering? I mean, that's where it comes down to. What are we doing about that? See, the only way we're ever going to fix those things, guys, to be able to talk, but let me tell you this. If you start throwing people a bunch of rules before you establish a relationship with them, they're not going to listen to you anyways. So how are we going to fix relationships? How do we have godly passion? Right, because that's what we want to have. We want to have godly passion. We want to model Jesus Christ to the world. Does that mean that we model it perfectly 24 hours a day, 365 days a year? I mean, if there's one of you that pull that one off, 
You come take the mic, and I want to sit down and hear from you. Okay? Because that means you're perfect. We're not going to model Jesus perfectly every time, but I can tell you this. You can model Jesus, and if you mess up and you're honest about it, people will res- they'll respect you for it. Right? And they'll give you the opportunity to continue to speak into their life for it. So, guys, what do we do to model godly passion? How do we do that? Why? I think the biggest thing we have to do is we have to establish relationships before we establish rules. It works with your kids that way, doesn't it? It works with your kids. It really does. If, you, if they came out the womb and you just began hammering rules in, then there was never a relationship built. And, you know, rules before relationship causes rebellion. That's what it does. So we have to be able to establish relationships with people in order to give peace a chance. In order to demonstrate godly passion, in order for us to become willing to suffer so that we can become the victor, right, in, an ins- in, a, in a situation, we have to be willing to establish a relationship across lines with people that maybe you're like, I, would, I don't want to have a relationship with them. I, I, I don't like the way he looks. Have you ever smelt him? Well, I just don't like what they stand for. You know, there's many families divided right now, unfortunately, over politics. Well, I'm a Republican, and they're a Democrat. Well, let me tell you, when I preach over your funeral, you're both dead. Right? So we have to establish a relationship with people. So if you open your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, the Bible gives us a a famous story here. And it's, it's that story of the scribe that came. He wanted to trick Jesus. He wanted to try to get something out of Jesus. He wanted to maybe prove he was smarter or prove that he'd done everything he needed to do. You ever been in that situation in life that all of a sudden you think you're smarter than God? Come on. I've been there. I think that I know better than, than what he does, and I try to impose my upon what God's will may be for my life, right? I want to do my thing, and I just want God to agree with it, right? Many of you guys are doing that right now. You're just too afraid to admit it. I want to do my thing, and I want God to bless what I'm doing. Is that really what we want? We think we do, but is that really what we want? The Bible says this in Mark chapter 12, verse, verses 28 through 34. One of the scribes approached. When he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. Really? Man, I'm glad you're right. I mean, you you wrote it in the stone, but I'm glad you know what it is, right? You are right, teacher. You have correctly said, man, I I don't know. Jesus, listen, can you imagine Jesus' mindset? I know he loves people, right? I know he has a sense of humor. If you don't believe he's got a sense of humor, some of you need to go look in the mirror. 
he's got a sense of humor, okay? But can you imagine in this interaction, and he's got a scribe who spends all day long writing the Bible. This is what he does. He pens the Bible all day. If they mess up on something, they throw it away. They didn't have copy machines, okay? Copying was by hand, and this is what they did all day long. All of a sudden, here's this guy that comes up, and he wants to know what the most important commandment is. Jesus tells him, love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. There is none greater than this. And the guy has the audacity to look at Jesus and say, you're right. You answered correctly. Jesus is probably thinking in his mind, yeah, you stuck on stupid. I'm good. I mean, can you imagine the comment? Now, listen, some of you guys do the same thing. Some of you do the same thing. We want, we ask God a question, but we know the, we know the answer. We're hoping that he answers the same thing. And when he does, we say, you're right. I know. You're good. We want to test God with things. That, what are we doing? Now, Jesus, if I had been Jesus, which I'm not, but had I been, I might have blistered him, right? I might have blasted him off the face of the earth. Because who are you to come and question me? Who are you to question God about what is what? Why are you asking me such a stupid question? I mean, there's ten commandments, right? Four of them are based on how we love towards God. The other six are based on how we love towards people. Right? They know these commandments. The scribe knew the, the word of God. He, he wrote it daily. He knew what was important and what wasn't. Right? The first four is love your, love your Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. It covers them. The last six, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Because if you love yourself, you're not stealing from yourself. You're not committing adultery on yourself. You're not dishonoring your mom and your dad. You're not killing people. You're loving people, right? Because the fact is, you either love them or you hate them. And while we're there, you're either serving God or you're serving the devil. So if you're loving people, you're serving God. If you're hating people, you're serving the devil. You choose. But here's this guy that wants to know the most important commandment. And he says, hey, you're right. You answered correctly. And Jesus does not blister him. He doesn't. Which is amazing to me because I might have. Verse 32, then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have correctly said he is one and there's no one else except him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far. You're not far from the kingdom of God, and no one dared to question him any longer. Hey, buddy, you're close, but you're not quite there. You say, well, there were only ten commandments, right? I mean, that couldn't have been that hard. There were ten commandments, but the Pharisees decided that they'd make up 613 other things to go with the ten commandments. So, guys, they had crazy stuff. I mean, they had laws. Some laws... Children, we need to be glad that they weren't, that they're not still in effect today. Like, if you back talk to your parents, they would stone you. 
I'd made it to two. Not two kids. I would have made it to age two. I mean, 613 other laws. So whenever he came and asked, he was including those 613. Hey, what is the most important thing out there? How do I do this? See, when God created the Ten Commandments, his intention was to create a relationship with us and then give us the rules that if we would follow these rules, our relationship would always stay proper. And then man came and wanted to add 613 more things to it. Because they, they called them little commandments or little laws. Things that maybe you could keep or you couldn't keep, but we're going to help you. Right? They were intended to help the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like people who think they're going to heaven and they think they've got to help Jesus. Right? You don't need to help Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals a ticket to heaven. Jesus plus anything equals a ticket to hell. See, you can't do anything to help get yourself to heaven. Just like you don't need to do anything to help Jesus come up with the two greatest commandments. He wrote them. He knows what they are. What you need to do is develop relationships with people and quit giving people a bunch of rules. You know why our church buildings aren't full today? Because people out there think that they have to abide by all these rules to be able to come into and gather with the church. One of the most common asked questions, we don't get it a lot here anymore, but one of the most commonly asked questions is, what can I wear? Man, you can wear anything you want as long as you're wearing something. Right? I mean, as long as you're wearing something, wear whatever you want. See, we impose this Bible, 1,182 chapters of it, we impose this Bible upon lost people. You know the only thing lost people need to know? That they're lost. They need to know that they're a sinner, and if they die in their sin, they're going to go to hell. That's all they need to know. They don't need to know that, hey, you're supposed to give Jesus a tenth of what you make. Malachi 3.10, they don't need to know that. It doesn't matter to them. They don't need to know that you're to love your enemy. They don't need to know that. They could care less. You know, they, they could care less about when, when man leaves his family and one man and one woman, they join together, they become one, let no man say, they don't need to know that. They need to know that God loves them and he loved them in such a way that Jesus died for them to pay for their sins. They don't need all the rules, guys. They need a relationship with you. They need a relationship. So how do you... Or how did Jesus take this? How do you take this and figure out how to go out there and apply it? How do you give peace a chance by applying this to relationships with people? Number one, you love God first and foremost. You just love God first and foremost. There is no if, but, and. It's God and God alone. Right? It's not, hey, I'm going to go worship God, but something came up so I couldn't go. It's no, I'm going to go worship God as long as everything works out at work and I can go. Listen, you come to worship God with the church. Do you have to worship with the church to be saved? No, you don't. But you can be disobedient, okay? The, the Bible says to gather, to gather with the church more often now as the day approaches. 
right? The writer of Hebrews, he was saying 2,000 years ago that we should gather more. And guys, we've actually gathered less than what they used to, right? We gather less now because people don't love God first and foremost. We love our children. You don't believe me? Go to the sports fields. You know, when I was growing up, and I'm not much older than a bunch of you, when I was growing up, if there was a game on Sunday, my parents weren't even like church people, okay? They, they weren't what you would call Jesus freaks. If there was a game on Sunday, we weren't going, period. They, they can play on Saturday. I remember my dad used to, they can play on Saturday. You don't need to play on Sunday. Dad, it's a championship game. I don't care. They don't, they want to play on Sunday. They play without you. Now we make excuses to go. And guys, I'm not talking about the lost people, right? They doing what lost people do. I'm talking about the church people. I'm talking about people who claim to love God, but they're not showing it because they're out there. You say, well, I, I'm going out there. I, I still love God. Really? Really? If God's your first, why is he second and third? If God's your first, if God is your first, why is he your second and third in life? It's easy for us to say we love God but never do it. The Bible says this in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your, all your soul, and with all your strength. Listen. I don't believe in replacement theology. I believe that there's the church and there's Israel. But I do believe there can be application here because God is talking to his people. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's one God revealed in three persons. But we're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Do you? Jesus told this scribe who, who's questioning him. He pulled out the, the Old Testament on him. Right? And he said, are you doing this? See, you'll never have a relationship with anybody worth much value at all until you get the pecking order in the right way. Amen. See, the pecking order is God's up here and then everybody else. Right. Families, let me tell you, here's the pecking order. Some of you might like it, some of you probably won't. It's God... Your spouse, your kids. Somehow we've jacked that thing up, right? We've jacked it up. We think it's kids. Maybe, and then we're not real sure about spouse or God. We, th those are interchangeable. We, we, we decide how they're acting. See, if we want to love our Lord, our God, the most that we possibly can. We just have to do what he says. He wrote it in a book because he knew you weren't smart enough to remember it. But you know what? If you don't pick the book up and read it, you'll never know. It's like, listen, it's like baking a cake. Right? 
Like, I like cake. If you, de- if you can't tell, I like cake. And if you can bake a cake and you're good at it, we can talk. But it's baking a cake. So you take, and, and I cheat now. I just go get the cake, the cake mix, right? Because it's easier. Get the cake mix, throw it in there. You're supposed to throw a couple eggs, a little bit of oil. Depending on the cake mix you get, you may throw some water in there, right? You mix it all up. But do you know what happens when you don't follow directions? If you don't put eggs in that cake, it don't taste very good. If you forget to put the oil in the cake, it don't taste very good. So what do you have to do, guys? What do you have to do? Read the directions. And guys, we're the worst at it, right? We're the worst at it. I had something a couple years ago that we were trying to figure out how to put together. And we're looking at it. We just couldn't figure it out. And me and my friend, we both looked at each other. And I said, why don't you get your wife to read the directions for us? We don't want to read directions, people. We think we've got it all figured out. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. How do I do that? Read the directions. It's real complicated. I mean, it's really hard, right? God says, get... Now, again, I'm talking to followers of Christ. So if you're not a follower of Christ, you get to sit back and pull out. You get to sit back and say, well, they're not loving me the way they should. That's fair. Because they may not be reading the directions. Right? Where Jesus says, love your enemies. I mean, they may not be reading the directions. Number two. Draw on God's love to love your neighbor as yourself. Anyone ever met anyone that just seems to be unlovable? I mean, I'm serious. I mean, some of you guys may be married to that person. I don't know. But have you ever met somebody who just seems unlovable? It's like, how in the world, how am I going to love them? I mean, for instance, we had an interaction last night. Okay? And it could have gone extremely bad. But it didn't, thankfully. But we, so we were talking to some people that were trying to out on the property that shouldn't have been camping out on the property and the the guy just cussed us i mean up one side down the other so instantly right ben in my mind i begin to think fleshly how in the world am i i can show that guy how i'm going to love him i got a two by four right over here right i mean i can help him out right if he's stuck on stupid i'll help get him off of it how do we how do we do that well let me tell you in a split second it was garth and i out there in a split second, we both realize how we're going to show him we love him. Right now, we're just going to walk off from him. Because it's better to walk off and let him be stupid, not join in. Right? So, but it's God's love is the only way that we could possibly show him that we love him. I saw him this morning. I called Garth and I said, hey, uh, you know, I just saw them, da 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 And Garth said, well, if I'd seen him, I'd taken him coffee. Now, why would somebody in an earthly manner, hang on. Why would someone in an earthly manner go take someone coffee that just cussed them? Because it's not Garth, it's Jesus living through Garth. Right? It's Garth drawing on the love of God that God has given him to be able to love my neighbor. Do you know how easy it is, how easy it is to love stupid people when you have Jesus? I'm just, I mean, complete transparency here, guys. Don't get upset. 
1 John chapter 4, verses 19 through 20 says this, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar, and his father, it, anyway, that's not there, anyways. Uh, for the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. I've been talking to Bobby lately. And l- l- just, if you guys didn't know this, I'm going to tell you now. Some of them already know that. Your life is just a sermon illustration for me later. Just honest, okay? Uh, I may not use your names, but there, there are applications that we can use later in life, right? I've been talking to Bobby, and I said, Bobby, Bobby wants, wants a relationship. Bobby's a good guy. I mean, not the best looking, but he's a good guy, right? He can fix a lawnmower. And, but I, I told Bobby, I said, Bobby, in order for you to have someone who loves you, first, you've got to love yourself. Second, that person has to love themselves, right? You can't ever have a functioning relationship until you love yourself. You say, well, how do you know that? I'm proof. Three years into our marriage, my wife, who's sitting right back here, you could ask her, wanted to leave. She was done over. Why? Because I could say I love you, but there was nothing showing it. I could give lip service, but no life service. Why? Because I didn't know how to love myself. And you know what? I couldn't love because I'd never been loved by God. I'd never accepted the love that he showed me when his son died on the cross. I'd never accepted that. So I didn't love her. I was attracted, but there was no real love. And then September 12th, 2008, at 11.58 at night happened. And you know what? When I woke up the next day, I could love her. It it was like, it was a different person. Right? I mean, all all the stuff that she couldn't do didn't matter. I just loved her. I couldn't explain it. I just loved her. And why is that? Because I loved God at that point. Because I knew what love really was at that point. That God, who was perfect, could love me, who was imperfect. That God could love me despite everything that I had done. And I had done some stuff. But God said, hey, you know what? I can love you despite that. Hey, you know what? I paid for all of that before you were even born. I knew you were going to do all of that before the foundations of the world, and yet I had the plan to send Jesus. You know, it's a whole lot easier to love your neighbor when you realize how much you were loved. I can draw on God's love for people because I know he loves them. I know he loves me in spite of me. I was just talking with the couple back here, and, and they, they said something about good, and I said, well, all the bad stuff, hey, I can take credit for all of that because I, I come up with most of it, right? But all the good stuff, that's all God. Hey, love is good, right? Hate is bad. Love is good. How am I to love people and not hate people? Well, I can hate people all by myself. I don't need any help. 
But to love people, I need Jesus. To love people, I need to understand that Jesus died for them on the cross. And since he died for them on the cross, they're valuable to him. So if they're valuable to him, they need to be valuable to me. Right? Because anything that's valuable to him has to be valuable to me since I've agreed to serve him. You realize loving your neighbor is not a suggestion. Loving your neighbor is a commandment. You don't get to decide what part of this Bible you want to use and throw the rest out. Now, I know there are, there are denominations out there that do that, okay? But unless you want to end up like some of them, you just take the Bible, what it is, from cover to cover and obey it. Amen. There's some things in here that you don't, you're not going to like. There's some things in there I don't like. There's some people I deal with on a weekly basis. I'm just telling you, in a fleshly standpoint, I don't want to talk to them. But you know what? Jesus never said that about me when I was out there doing all my dirt. Amen. Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to love him anyways. He was always standing right there, Ben, just waiting on me to turn around. I don't think I had to run far to find him. Matter of fact, whenever I hit my knees that night, he was right there. Just waiting to welcome me home. See, you have to draw on the love that God has given you in order to love your neighbors. You'll never love anybody till you first know Jesus. You'll never love anybody unless you use his strength to love them. Because we can pick things apart on everybody. I mean, you can pick things apart on your spouse sitting there right next to you. Don't. Don't. But you could if you wanted to. So number three, and we're just about done. Trust your life to the author of love. Amen. Trust your life. I don't understand everything that happens in life. There are things that happen that I just don't think are fair. But I have to trust my life to the author of love. 1 John chapter 4 says this. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. I have to trust my life that the people that God brings in my life are people that he wants me to love. Now, I'm just telling you, some people, are, they, they, they will test it, won't they, Leah? I mean, they will flat test it like they either two by four or four by four. I mean, they will test it. But I, I look at everything and say nothing can come into my life at all. Unless God has first said it's okay. I mean, nothing. You pick it. It can be tragedy. It ain't coming into my life unless God has said it's okay. Well, how do you know that? Because he said that I'm his. Amen. He said that he's my father and I'm his son. He said that he will take care of me and provide for me. Does that mean I have a brand new Corvette out in the parking lot? No, it doesn't. God knows I don't need one. That's what I think. But it, what it means is that he's shown me that he loves me, that he wants to care for me. John 15, 13 says this. says that love, right? No one has greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. That's Jesus telling the disciples, hey, I'm going to prove to you that I love you because I'm about to die for you. 
See, we have the privilege to look 2,000 years later, and he's proved to us that he loved us. The book of Romans says, while we were yet sinners, while we were still his enemy, Jesus Christ died for us. If he died for me, surely I can trust him with my life. I can just say, okay, Lord. Now listen, I've had, I've had that kind of two weeks. Anyone ever had that kind of two weeks before? Right? It, like, if it could go bad, it did go bad. Right? We had the lift station go bad. Okay? So that's seven children, no working bathroom. That's a, I'm just telling you, that's, I mean, that's a, a lot of holes, buckets. I'm just kidding. We, we, had a, we found another bathroom. But some of you guys are like, I thought we were in Florida. You didn't have to dig far to get rid of it. Um, anyway, <laughs> sorry. Um, so lift station bad. Got that fixed. Then the showers broke. It's a tiled shower. Right? The showers broke. I can't figure out how to turn the water off. I got it fixed. Then the washing machine goes out. How many of you know you've got nine people in your house and you ain't got no washing machine? That's a problem. Okay? Because my boys are like girls. They think they've got to change five times a day. Jackie, you feel me. Max is the same way, ain't he? I mean, they come in from school. They want to change. They play for an hour. They want to change. They take a shower. They want to put the same dirty clothes back on the head. You've got to make them change. So when you ain't got no washing machine, you got seven children, it's a problem. Hang on, it gets worse. I'm driving home yesterday. My wife texted me and she says, hey, the brakes are squealing. I want to say, well, take your foot off the brake. Then she, this morning she tells me, hey, everywhere I went, every time I touched the brakes, they squealed. I said, did they stop you? Yeah, they stopped me. They're good. Don't worry about it. She ain't going. She said they need changed. I mean, it's been that kind of two weeks that it seems like everything that happens could go wrong, has gone wrong, and I have to stop and say, you know what, Jesus, there's a purpose. Because you're not letting it come in if there's not a purpose. Whatever it is, I don't know yet. But if you can change breaks, I'll talk to you after service. If you want to take a bucket or two of laundry home, and I mean a bucket, not, I mean, we talk like 50-gallon buckets, not like five. I'm kidding. We've got clean clothes right now. But it's, it's like everything that happens, I understand, that happens for a purpose. Because I'm trusting the author of love. I'm trusting that when he told me he loved me, that he wasn't lying. I'm not trusting some 15, 16-year-old girl who said, I love you, and a day later said, I don't even want to talk to you anymore. Right? I'm talking to the one, the very creator of the world, who created the world, who the Bible says formed me in my mother's womb, who knitted me together, who knew what I was going to be before I became. And he said, you know what, Tony, I love you. You know what, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. You just trust me. And, hey, I said it a couple weeks ago, sometimes faith runs out and all I got is hope. But I'm hoping that what he said was true. So how do you give peace a chance? Well, you have to establish relationships. Quit trying to give people a bunch of rules. How are you going to establish relationships? You've got to get to know the author of love. You've got to become love. 
You got to make sure that you're trusting him with everything that happens in your life. So let me ask you this. Do you know him? I don't mean do you know him like, yeah, I know who Will Smith is. No, I mean, do you know him? See, knowing Jesus and knowing Jesus is a completely different thing. I knew my wife three years in our marriage, but I did not know her. Now I know my wife. I can tell you all the crazy things she's going to do before she does them. It's usually a list every day. She's right there. I know her, but I know Jesus. I can trust Jesus because I know him. Do you know him? Close your eyes. I want to ask you a question. We're going to be done. If you open your eyes right now, and you're standing at the gates of heaven, now you don't get in yet, you're just standing there, and Jesus looks through the gate of heaven at you, and he says, why should I let you in to my heaven? Do you know that you know that you know the right answer? Because let me assure you, there's one answer. It can be said multiple ways, but there's only one answer that's getting you in. So I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not telling you the answer. I'm going to tell you right now that if you don't know the answer, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to be up here after the service is done. I'll be right here. And I promise you, if you come and you want to talk, I will clear everybody else away so that we can talk. Because you need to know the answer. So if you're sitting there and you're like, man, I don't know the answer. Is this some, some sort of test? It is. See, God brought you here to Bayshore for a purpose today. He didn't bring you here by accident. It was by divine providence that you showed up today. And if you don't know the answer, if you cannot answer that question, God wants you to answer He's ready for you to answer the question. You just got to be prepared to answer it. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for this day. And God, we thank you, Father, for all those that are here. God, we pray right now, Father, for anyone who doesn't know the answer to the question of when we show up to the gates of heaven, what can we tell Jesus to get us through the gate? Father, it's important that we know the answer because, God, this is not a, a test that gets graded on a curve. It will not be a retake. Father, we have one shot and one shot only, Father, at this life to be able to answer this question correctly. So, Father, as we leave from here to go give peace a chance throughout the world, Father, help us to remember the only way that we can do that is, Father, we have to establish relationships without the rules. God, we have to have relationships with people just like you did with us. Father, you didn't blister us and blast us, but, Father, you loved us. God, the only thing people who don't know your son Jesus need to know is, Father, if they die without him, they'll spend eternity in a place called hell. Father, after that, we can share with them why they need him. Father, we don't need to give them all these other rules. Father, we just need to know that you loved us first and that, Father, you've commanded us to go out and love others. So again, we love you. We thank you. We pray for our uh, Wednesday small group. God, I pray that you just continue to move and, God, that you'll do great things in that group. God, again, we pray for all those that aren't here for whatever reason. Pray that you would just help them. And again, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.